In mid-May 2023, there were many articles about an attack on Aragon Dow and what it meant for its treasury. Many of these articles were factually wrong. Origami put together a Twitter space to understand exactly what happened and, more importantly, what other DAOs could do to protect themselves from situations like the one that this DAO faced. As you'll hear, we spoke with Luis Cohende, he is a co-founder of Aragon, the DAO tooling organization, and Anthony Leutenegger. He does business development for Aragon and is a member of the DAO. Along with them is Ben Ha, founder of Origami, which in addition to building DAO tooling, also advises DAOs on how to properly set themselves up to grow their mission while protecting their members and their treasury. Here's a recording of the Twitter space, and since it's Twitter, the audio isn't up to the this podcast's usual standards, but I cleaned it up to make it easier for you to learn from this challenge. Here's a conversation. Hey, everybody. Anthony from Aragon here. I'm the head of growth, so I work in one of the guilds actually within the Aragon DAO. Aragon from 2017 sort of created the first DAO framework. This allows DAOs to launch and manage their organizations, their communities, their treasuries on chain, um, such as Lido, Decentraland, et cetera. We just launched a new tech stack. So we've been heads down building as, as a little background about Aragon's own DAO and how we're building that and just being like transparent about how some of those challenges gave like the groundwork of so Aragon has really big treasury from its 2017 ICO does not have many token holders who are engaged from that time we have a lot of builders who are engaged a lot of people who are building DAOs who want DAOs built on their chains etc but not so much like token holders so our community is mainly builders we have a much lower uh, market cap to a treasury ratio and as all you as you all know this and with also with high liquidity this also makes it a little dangerous in a DAO so when the Aragon Association, the organization from 2017, decided last year to host a, a signal vote um, to token holders to decide if we should move into a DAO. There was a resounding yes, and, and thus the work began. And it was like, okay, how do we build this DAO safely to safely manage this, this treasury? And the Aragon Association, remember, is like a Swiss legal entity at this point, and is completely separate from the DAO that we just launched in February. Plan is to move $170 million from the treasury into the DAO as safely as possible, and this does mean that people, like the board members of that Aragon Association, which I'm not a part of, although they're all great people, are legally liable for making sure that those assets are moved over safely in, in accordance with the mandate that they have. We set up this sort of plan. Uh, I also want to point out, when, you on the, when you're on the board of an organization like this, that there's personal liability to actually getting it done right. This is not just like an employee, and if you mess something up, then you're like, oops, the company takes care of it. The board is personally liable for the actions of the organization. Exactly. And that, and, and again, a lot of that is forgotten. There is complexity. It's challenging trying to move this organization into a DAO. And, and even though we build DAO tools, uh, it's a challenge. And we have experimented before. We launched an optimistic governance DAO in 2021 and spent a year um, experimenting with that. And token holders decided not to carry on with that, but moved to a delegate voting DAO. So in February, we launched a delegate voting DAO. And now it's up to the Aragon Association to start moving those funds in slowly and safely. So the teams were able to move in. And then about two weeks ago, we moved the first 300,000 USDC into the DAO from the Aragon Association. So the minute those funds hit the DAO, it no longer has any correspondence to the Aragon Association. They can't touch it. They have nothing to do with it. It is controlled by token holders. And so upon, this is where now the I don't want to call it fun because it's been a really stressful two weeks, but this is where maybe for some of you viewers with your popcorn in the phone began. <laughs> and around exactly the time of this 300,000 USDC transfer, 
our Discord just starts to get bombarded with people coming in and a couple dozen people coming in, asking about moving the treasury faster, asking all these questions. A couple of them start swearing. And we get this tip off from another DAO that, that these are what are called uh, self-proclaimed RFV readers, which is interesting. And RFV stands for risk-free value. And so this is a group, a community of people that, that try and basically go from trying to work I don't know how to say this, but it can be quite nefarious. It cannot be nefarious, but get that DAO to basically give the token holders the difference in value in between the market cap and the treasury. And so Aragon was primed for this. However, when they came in to our, into our Discord, I don't know if they realized that only $300,000 was actually controlled by the DAO at that point, because we'd only done transfer one of many, and that the $170 million was still in the Aragon Association a separate entity. And so when we got this tip off that this was going to like really escalate, there was a lot of spam, some swearing. We were like, okay, like we need to do something and protect our community. Uh, we don't know who any of these people are, obviously. So we ended up deciding to temporarily ban what ended up being six of them. And this is where sort of the controversy began. One of them, they started DMing our teams and one of them DM me and said, our, or not our, but uh, a reporter from Coindesk is on his way type thing. And we were like, oh no, what's going on now? And of course, here comes this Coindesk reporter and, and out goes an article about how we are stopping token holders from participating in the DAO. And, I'm, and, and Dan, you can jump in here, but this is interesting because when you asked this question about community and who is community, like for us, it was always builders. And now some people bought tokens maybe a day before, the same day, a month before, but and have just joined this group and want to enact changes immediately, which seemed very nefarious and we were tipped off as such. And so we made this ban, but luckily we didn't ban many people or we only banned one person from the forum. And the forum is actually where Aragon does governance. We don't do governance in Discord. Everybody in the Aragon community knows that. So it was amusing in that way, but this is where sort of the controversy kicked off. And, and I've been always thinking about, are they community? Are they not? They're coming in for a quick buck to take as much as they can, potentially steal the treasury at the 51% attack or not, and then leave. Is that community or not? Some people think it is. They bought tokens. Some don't. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on that as well. What was the stated purpose of the DAO? What was the mission of the DAO? The mission of the Aragon Association is their mandate is to push to fund builders and developers to build DAO tools. And was that mission carried over to the DAO? There was a token holder vote, a signal vote for a hyperstructure strategy within the DAO, which is to build a hyperstructure, so governance tooling. And that was what was voted in by token holders. Okay. So Aragon says, hey, we exist to fund DAOs to build on Aragon or to build tools and others for the DAO community to advance that mission. Nothing in there about token holder value. The money here is so that we can keep recycling it back into the building. The DAO is actually created because to enact that purpose, you want more distribution of that capital for the purposes of building. Do I have that right? Yes, exactly. Okay. And then these guys show up and say, hey, we want the money. Exactly. And so it's a tough situation that I see. Sorry, go. Yeah, actually it's not. For me, it's an uncomfortable situation to be in. It's the media clearly didn't go through and do the research. But to me, that's very clear. The reason any organization exists is not to purely enrich those who hold uh, tokens or securities or uh, property or what have you. 
Um, that is the long-term goal of participation. But for someone to show up and say, hey, I've joined this organization and the thing that I want, despite what you have said publicly, what the mission is and why everybody else is here, I'm going to make it uncomfortable until you buy me out or until you make me rich. That seems to me a complete violation of the rules of the house. Yeah, and and, and I would say this is how we got into some hot water because I think crypto Twitter, at least, and, and we communicated poorly, to be frank, and we know that. And I'll tell you how we got there. And yeah, we tried to protect our builders. Like that was in, in all honesty, that's the decision we made to temporarily ban, like just to be like, what is going on here? All the spam, there's custom going on. Like we're going to protect the builders, the developers who use Discord. Like we do governance in the forum, in discourse. So, so at that point, we then noticed that ANT was being bought up. A lot of ANT was being bought up. And now we came to the conclusion and we started doing research in some of these RFV raiders on this uh, group of people and noticed that there were other DAOs that they had attacked or fragmented or worked with or whatever you want to call it. Uh, it depends who you are, including Sushi, including Rook's DAO, including Rome DAO, Temple DAO. They had taken down many DAOs and big ones. And they work with this, this VC investment firm that's very well known called Arca Capital Management and is very well known for these types of behaviors. And so they have capital, right? They're like, they're smart. They're, they have a lot of capital. They're very strategic in how they do this. And so, yeah, it was like, whoa, this is intense. So we're seeing ANTs getting bought up. WANTs being wrapped. We use a wrapper to vote. And so we're like, okay, like maybe this is a, some type of 51% attack. They'll try and signal vote for the treasury to be moved over. And so we tried to make it really clear to them. And this is where we made some mistakes, to be honest. Um, we tried to like, basically we realized that we assumed that the Aragon Association could no longer send funds. I'm not in the Aragon Association, as I mentioned, but their mandate is that the money that is in the treasury has to go towards building. And it's a utility token, like a, like a legally binding Swiss utility token, because it's a Swiss association and actually Switzerland has this actual allocation for tokens. And, and so they probably can't send funds to the anymore. So now we have this DAO with 300k in it. Funds can't go into it anymore to build this DAO as long as these raiders are sitting in it. So they can't access the treasury, the big one, 170 million, but they can the 300k. And so we put out this statement being like, you know what? Aragon's going to, and this was the huge mistake. We're going to repurpose the DAO. What we should have said is repurpose how yeah, we're going to use the DAO. I remember that. Exactly. I remember so, that. Crypto Twitter literally grabbed every tomato, rotten tomato, and deservedly and started chucking it at us. And we totally miscommunicated that. And we sent out an apology to everybody. It was a big mistake because it it made people believe or led them to believe that we had some control over this DAO, like that we could just rub this DAO, our own DAO, which is 100% not the case. And, and, and to be honest, when I read the news, I came in through the back, right? I saw the news after the shit storm had happened. And then I read that and my lens going into it was, oh my God, what the fuck? Yeah. And I think a lot of people had that reaction. And again, this is a difficulty of communicating with the public at large because you come in from the inside trying to do well with the context of here are the sequence of events that happened. And what happens is as the shitstorm gets bigger, what people are exposed to is the headline at the peak of the shitstorm. Exactly. They're changing the goal of the DAO. How dare they? What authority do they have? Exactly. And actually, we have no authority to do that. We just totally miscommunicated. And it was a total fuck up, to be honest. And we haven't slept well, especially my team since. We tried to make amends with a tweet afterwards, obviously. 
to just clarify, yeah, we don't have control over the DAO. We went, we really want to move funds to the DAO. I can't express that enough. I know the Arab Association does too. I know that there's in the DAO because that's where we access funds to build our tools. Like Aragon wants to be a DAO. It, by the way, it's going to be a DAO. We're now trying to work around how that's going to happen. We've let in these, we've actually unbanned the RFV raiders. They're actually quite well behaved right now. We've put them in the forum. They're all talking about next steps and how they want to have token buybacks and all these types of things. So uh, let me, let me ask yeah. you a different question here. You guys characterize this as a 51% attack. I do have some issue with that. Yes. Some people do. Yes, that's true. The reason being, yeah, there, there's a couple of reasons why we decided to call it an attack. One is it very, felt very attack-like. There was dozens of people coming in. We were told that they would use social engineering tactics on our team and on our contributors to try and separate us, to try and cause discontent so that more people and voters will work with them. They brought in media that works very closely with them to, to spin the narrative. And they, we know we've been told by other DAOs that they've dealt with that they've hired private investigators to personally follow them, people in these DAOs, contributors. They've, things like this. That is quite like this is quite frightening to be frank. This is not a joke. This, this is, yeah, this is yeah, pretty serious. I, I I totally get that part. And the personal part, what's challenging for everyone is you haven't really dealt with this level of visibility or being in public before. But I, I think there's implement if there's an escalation that has been going on in which I think communication needs to de-escalate, especially in situations like this. And the, the other thing is as the community is concerned, if somebody like Aragon, who has been in the DAO space for this long, calls a 51% quote-unquote vote an attack, then what prevents anyone from characterizing the majority vote, which should happen with DAO token holders or plutocratic systems? And if you call that an attack, what prevents somebody else from mischaracterizing everything else that is a vote? Totally. And I, it's, a, it's a really good question. And, and it's something maybe I would love to hear your opinion on it. I think for us, it was the social engineering aspect, along with the time frame of trying to buy tokens to execute a vote to take money to then sell afterwards, like within a very short time frame that constitutes yeah. that. But I agree with your assessment of, of how that can be complex. And some people push back around that as well. I would love to hear your thoughts on like what you would define. Well, so there's a couple of questions. I, I want to get a little bit more here. Sure. Number of tokens available for voting uh, in the DAO, it was all ant holders. So it was the uh, token holders at large. Anybody could participate. So it was, an, it was a, you buy one and you're allowed to participate. Yes? Yes, absolutely. Okay. What was the quorum threshold required to actually pass a proposal? Um, oh, my God. So I have to remember off the top of my head. The quorum uh, threshold like roughly, was... Roughly, was it 10%? Was it 20%? Was it high or low? No, it was very low. It was... At the time, it was 3%. And the reason being is because the DAO was only launched two months before that, and it was going to be iterated on continuously. Okay. So it was like, yeah. Yeah. So that means that, so here, here's what gets really interesting. Because not all token holders vote at all times, like it's not a validator, like you're not online and actually like programmatically processing votes. A DAO vote that says 51% majority uh, of a proposal vote gets to execute the proposal means that in this case, a little over 1.5% of token holders was all that was needed to execute a proposal. Yeah. So when we talk about a 51% attack, I think there's a couple of things. One, the inflammatory language is one. The second is, it's not 51%. It's a 1.5% attack. Yeah, totally. And I think that's why, and it's interesting because when we were trying to decide a time frame. They were constantly pushing, like, what's the time frame I'm moving the whole treasury over? 
our response changed from a time frame to being like, actually, when it's mathematically safe, which was not well taken, obviously, but it was like, as more ENT is wrapped, and the more supply is gone, and as we increase quorum, more of the treasury can be secured. So we felt safe with 300 grand at that time. The next one, hopefully, would have been a higher quorum rate, adjusted with more tokens, wrapped, etc. And that was like the plan. But you're totally right. It there was a very, very low requirement to do uh, this, to, to, to try and take those funds or to get a vote passed, let's say. Yeah. There are a couple of um, ideas floating around the DAO world about how to actually prevent um, what I call pigeoning, where you, as a outsider or whoever, flies over, dips in, shits, and leaves. Right? <laughs> so I could come in, buy a token, shit on a proposal, propose it, and when I got what I wanted, leave. I have zero long-term interest in what you guys are doing, but I can just pigeon. It says voting power accumulates with commitment or the holding of a token for a period of time. And so none of these ideas are new. We didn't come up with this. I'm sure, Aragon, you guys have heard of this, but there are ways to mitigate specific attack vectors. It is not a thing that is easy to implement from day one because it makes things more complicated. And so most DAOs start out with a very simple solution of token equals vote. And then you move on to other ways of actually managing. The other, which is direct democracy, leads to fragmentation like this and all you end up doing is just resolving for drama. We have advocated at Origami the creation of a governance council. We call permanent committees. They exist to manage the treasury and the mission and all the things that's necessary. And direct token holders only have control at specific points in time to elect that representation and to make large changes that are authorized by the charter of the DAO. And so you can build safeguards, you can build protections for the DAO to protect the mission and the direction of this DAO. What do you think the long-term goals of the Raiders are? Long-term goals? Wow. Just, I think it's just revenue. Honestly, I think it's just revenue generation. I think they just want to make as much money as they can as quickly as possible. To be frank, that's all I got out of it. I read a few of their manifestos. Some of them were quite brilliant. But I think they're in for, for cash and they want out. So, there, so the belief here is that there's no long-term alignment. It is, you know, we see an ARB and let's go take care of it. 100% there's no, 100% there's no alignment. We know that they've told, they many of them have said as such, there's quite an open line of communication. So yes. And other, do you have active members of the DAO who are saying, hey, I'm not either party. I'm not. Aragon, I'm not building an Aragon. I'm a token holder and I oppose this. I actually believe that we should build long term and that this short term treasury rating has got to stop. Yeah, a couple people. I think the forum now is in a place where it's like a really deep talk about DeFi and also this potential buyback. Um, so it's gone into that direction. But yeah, we had a lot of support. And to be frank, like we, we did get raked along the coals for our horrible communication, but I did get a lot. We got a lot of just nice, kind, one-on-one -on -one messages from people who had either had to unfortunately be confronted by Arca or any of these raiders before and just other people who were like, we, we get it, you, you made a boo, we're with you type thing. So it was really nice to get that as well. We definitely made some mistakes. There's no question. I'm not trying to sugarcoat that either. Okay. Uh, if you guys had implemented a more of a man-in-the-machine kind of system where it said, hey, all proposals that are, pa all proposals that are passed 
still need a, the approval of a core steward leadership committee um, to say, yes, this aligns with our mission for it to actually um, continue. Or some like escrow middle ground that says, hey, unless both parties agree, um, the money gets stuck. Would that have helped? Or do you think the um, would to that from the get-go, yeah, given the decentralization? I think it would have been the exact same thing. I think it would have it would have just been like you have a centralized entity blocking a proposal from token holders. I really don't think it would have done done much, to be frank, based on how the narrative was going. We do have veto mechanisms in place, but they're very specific. So we have technical technical guardians, yeah, like so guardians, yeah. technical guardians, and we have legal guardians, and they have strict parameters around stopping or pausing anything that can breach something that could be like seriously have a legal implication or technical implication, but we do not have generalistic guardians who are mission orientated. And the reason that decision was, and maybe that's something we look in the future, but the reason that was is because we wanted uh, code to be law, to be frank. And so that was a decision we made. And, and to be honest, the reason we didn't put any more money in and wanted to iterate over time was exactly for this reason was to just have a small amount of money in there to start, add money over time as things became more safe, adjust the quorum, determine if we need these types of guardians that are more mission aligned and adjust. What I don't think we expected, and this is maybe a learning lesson if you're launching a DAO, is like the, the, an attack from like a narrative perspective can be very strong. So like people coming in and trying to pressure treasury decisions one way or another, even if it's not on-chain executable, can be very strong. And so even though we didn't move the 170 million over right away, which was never the plan, we did not expect that kind of push and power from a narrative perspective, having media working with them, et cetera. So that's a lesson that we learned very much this time around. I'm, I'm also, I would love to queue up any questions here as well. We're approaching uh, the 45 minute mark. Do you still believe in direct democracy for DAOs? Or, do, or is that just too jingoistic of a statement? It's just too simplistic to understand how to make DAOs work? Yeah, I, I think, no, for sure I do. I just think it depends. You just need different governance types for different types of DAOs. We're trying to work on some playbooks for different types of DAOs, like whether it's a protocol DAO, product DAO, a hyperstructure that we're trying to build that eventually over time with the correct incentive alignment, which we didn't have at Aragon, to be frank. We didn't have incentive alignment. Like core teams own very few tokens. A lot of the tokens, as I mentioned, are gone from 2017. They're in different hands. We have some VCs. If token alignment, incentive alignment is really strong, you can have token-weighted voting DAOs for sure. And some of them seem to be moving in a good direction. I really think, and we do say experimenting with governance at the speed of software, this is another lesson learned. This is something we can build off of. Hopefully we can share some of this information with the community and they can build off it as well. And we're only a few years old. Let's not forget this entire space is really young. Governance hasn't been figured out outside of the DAO space completely, let alone inside. And humans have existed for a very long time. So we're just going to keep learning. The day we don't come back from something like this is the day maybe we need to be more worried. But that's our plan. Uh, and is, is the, have... are the funds currently programmatically designed uh, at a regular interval for to be dripped into the DAO? Or is this at the discretion of the association? It was more based off of parameters if we reached uh, a certain amount of wrapped tokens. So then it became more difficult, obviously, to Got do it. an attack like this. We can move the quorum up and then move more funds. And this was the way. We have to re re rethink this now, to be frank. We're going back to the drawing board. Actually, we have some cool ideas. We are 100% committed to being in a DAO, actually maybe even moving this time frame up by using other mechanisms. And hopefully we can share that in the next few weeks. But we're going to make right for sure. We're going to have Luis, the founder of Aragon, join us in a few minutes. He's running behind because of an important phone call. But 
Before we come back into the mechanics of whether this was a raid or not and what happened during it, one of the things that I heard from people was that you all were deleting comments. There's one person who said he had a comment asking about DAO.E, that Aragon owns it, and will it be open? And he said this was deleted and other people had had similar experiences. Was there a reason for it? I think it was just overreach on our part. Just overreach from trying to defend what we thought was right on social media on and we overdid it and that's why we sent out that apology i see yeah so it wasn't even people who are necessarily part of this group it was anyone who you felt was threatening both the dao and individuals within the dao and so you were just going in and, and deleting i don't know i wasn't deleting them, I see. I'm assuming some people got caught up in the in the crossfires because we had a long list of the people in the rfe raider group and so some people maybe got cut out and again, total apologies to these people. We were trying to defend what we thought was right, and we made some mistakes. There's no question about it. What was going on internally? Like, how do you all communicate when this happens? And how do you make sure that you keep your senses together in the future? That's a really good question, honestly. Yeah, I have to admit, there was a team, the team that came together, many sleepless nights trying to do research, trying to find out who these people were, trying to figure out what they want, game theory, how can we defend this? How can we defend this narrative? And it's quite stressful, actually. I don't know if anybody else has been in the situation, but you'll get a message from a news outlet and they'll say, you have two hours to answer all these questions. Otherwise, it's no comment. And then you're like, oh my God, if it's no comment, people are going to think we're like trying to avoid something. So then you're like scrambling to write, to answer these questions and fire them back. And then they get twisted. Uh, I, 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 to be honest, like after this, uh, again, we made mistakes, but I lost a lot of faith in, in some of the media and crypto Twitter. I was pretty disappointed and, and bummed out, but a lot of it was of our own making, of course. All right, we got Luis in. Luis, thanks for coming in here. Yeah, no problem. Sorry for me. It's been really hectic base. I can imagine. How much of this, how inside were you as this was going on? Oh my gosh. I haven't been involved day to day for the last couple of years, but I've been advised in like the journey train contributors in the ecosystem. But of course, like when something like this happens in the end of the day, I think that Aragorn is still my baby. And like, I see that real eagle and that brand that would be up and like my, my heart breaks when I see these things, especially because all the effort we put back in the day to be like the leader in transparency. We literally kept like a transparency portal where we could document each uh, expense. I mean, at some point they were ridiculous, so we stopped, but we would do that. We would really make sure that we contribute back with the grants programs. We like funded that node frame. We actually funded the first team working on an Ethereum 2.0 client even before the Serum Foundation did. So yeah, we used to do a lot of work back in the day and it sometimes hurts to see how a little memory crypto Twitter can have. So, Louis, I, I got a question for you. What is the crux of the problem in aligning the short-term and long-term incentive of members of a DAO? If, I'm sure Anthony will really unpack the whole situation, but I think the Aragon Association had this massive treasury. And honestly, this treasury Sometimes it feels like the pirates of the Caribbean goals from, I don't remember where it was, but it was like, it was like completely haunted and everyone, every person who touched it could go completely rogue and whatever. Sometimes it feels like that. It feels that sometimes there is just too much money and you have to care about doing too many things because you're always anxious about what else could you do, right? And so you start doing grants and you create a lot of scope and you hire people. And the problem also is not only that people's focused and you have to care about managing this treasury responsibly. Is that also when you want to transition to a DAO, in this case where the treasury uh, value is higher than the, um, that, that, you know, AMT's market cap, there is like a very clear incentive for someone to come in and just buy a bunch of tokens and steal the money. 
Um, and so this is a, a problem that is being known theoretically for a while as a 51% attack, but now it's practical. Now there are like people out there that, that do these things. I'm not saying this thing that happened the last week was that because there actually wasn't like per se an active 51% attack. There were some talks about it and how to protect and so forth. It didn't actually happen, but like DAOs have to really be prepared for these scenarios. But most importantly, when it comes to landing long-term and, and short-term, I believe that you need something like the V-token, V-curve or V-val or all these like V-token strategies where you basically lock people up for four years to become governors of the DAO. I do think that makes a lot of sense when it comes to, to incentives. And then if you can tie that up with some kind of North Star metric, so people lock their tokens and also they have some kind of reward, governance reward tied to that North Star, North Star metric going up. For example, it can be like a month of Aragon DAOs or, or like a UM in Aragon DAOs or whatever. And then you can tie that up. Then people have the incentive to be here for the long haul and to contribute to the project's uh, future instead of just like taking the money and going home. So yeah, that's my two Satoshi, I guess, right? I, I think you have a lot more tools than that. And the other thing is, as we're builders in the space with you, we are always discovering new ideas to mitigate a specific vector of attack or a specific vector of a problem. But it's usually after an event like this has occurred because every crisis has the same root but they always play out in a different way. And to actually go back and say, okay, what, what can we have engineered? What code could we have written? What community standard could we have created um, to prevent attacks like this from happening in the future? You still have to go through and suffer through what we have now, right? If you give short-term raiders what they want, are we creating an incentive, a bad incentive, for people to repeat that action in the future? Definitely. If you are doing that, definitely. I think the best strategy you can take is to, if people are certain raiders, then you cannot do much. But if some of these people, you can present them with an option to either exit or be here in the long haul, I think that would be a better idea. Like the issue right now with, with governance, but the particular issue we have in governance is the implementation for voting power, right? In this case, you would buy AMT, you would lock it, get WAMT, which is grab AMT, and you are good to go. You can vote. And this is even susceptible to stuff like flash, flash attacks, right? Where you're literally in the same transaction, grab something, then vote without your tokens. So it goes to the threshold, take money out, give tokens back in the same transaction. Like literally you can do that. Um, with VAMD or VVAL or V whatever, like the V token model, you cannot do that. And so I, again, I'm really a fan of uh, that mechanism. So going forward, Anthony and Luis, are we now looking at a situation where money will be put into the treasury? or not will there will the rest of the money be put in or not and if it is <laughs> what what needs to happen from my perspective i will tell you i'm completely all in for that i've been for years for some time it's been about like legally a lot of legal troubles of turning money from a centralized legal entity to a DAO that is out there in the wild that have a legal personality now it's more about mm -hmm. the technicality of actually making it happen without all the funds here installed but like from my perspective the what I've been talking to about and what I've been telling the Aragon contributors is if we cannot do it, then we don't deserve to be the leaders of the space. And Aragon is securing, I think it's north of 11 or $20 billion in AUM for different DAOs. Like Lido upgraded yesterday to V2 and Lido has like $11 million secured by Aragon OS contracts. If they can do it, God damn it, we can secure the 100 million. Just come out with a solution mm. and implement it and just take the fucking role of the leaders of the space that we are. And the way to do that is what, in your opinion? How, did, how do you do that, Anthony? I'd love to hear from you too. 
If I went to that, I'm going to spend half an hour talking about tokenomics ideas, but I mean, I, I, I just posted it in, in the Aragon forum, but there are ways and the current Aragon stack is really good. The old one that has been like securing billions of dollars, also really good, really composable, a bunch of permissions. You can really like create complex governance structures. So it's a matter of like really sitting down and making proposals. And yeah, there are so many tools today compared to five years ago when we first thought about decentralizing the treasury. Anthony, I saw you unmuting yourself. What were you going to add to that? Yeah, I just complete agreement with Luis. We're definitely dog fooding our products. It's super, super important. It's the only way we're going to get there. It's the only way we're going to be leaders and understand what we're working with and, and what our users need. So it's it's a high priority. Everybody on the team is completely in agreement um, with that. Um, and and we're looking forward to that. Now, you know, it was a it was a shame that we just had to put put it on a little bit of pause the last few days after that first um, amount of USDC was moved into the DAO. Um, but we're already brainstorming with Luis, for example, on, on, on the future and, and some great ideas. So we're super excited for that, of course. It, it's a requirement. Okay. And Luis, we were asking earlier, Anthony, coming in from the beginning, if somebody is building a DAO today and they want to prepare themselves for situations like this, what are some messages that you'd leave them with? How do they prepare themselves for what you've been calling a 51% attack or uh, Aragon has, but Ben pointed out that even with 1.5%, I think you said, Ben, there could be an attack. How do others deal with this? It, it's not the first DAO that I think has this problem of having a treasury that is bigger than the, than the market cap of the token. And I think if you look at the very core issue, you shouldn't be that way in the first place, right? You should really, your treasury should be lower and then your token should get a premium just because you have that quote unquote execution premium. You have the product distribution, you have revenue models, whatever, governance utility. You need to up with the protocol fee. Like even if it's zero, it's valuable because it can be turned on. And that is the premium. So at all times, the treasury should be lower than the treasury plus the premium. And so basically, I think you just got to work on that. And I think it's all the solutions that we're going to come up with are actually going to be quite valuable for the DAOs. Like ultimately, this is quite good for Aragon in the sense that when we said, all right, we are going to move the funds to the DAO, we are going to be at ourselves because otherwise it doesn't make sense. We were expecting some problems and like dog fooding comes with problems, but ultimately you go through the pain. And then you understand the key problems and the key issues, and then you productize them and you make the best products because you like went through hell living that problem yourself. So if you know the problem so well, you can create the best solution. So usually when you see a stock and its market cap is actually lower than it's the actual value of the assets, what the market is saying that is that it has no confidence in the future of that company. Now, it's a utility token, so these things are totally different. How well do you think the public or the market is actually able to determine uh, the value of the assets of the treasury versus um, the actual token value? What is that message being sent to you, and how, are you, how, how do you read that? The message, of course, right now that the market is sending is quite pessimistic in regards to execution of the different guilds and, and contributors within Aragon. And I think that is a very core thing to solve, but I think that is two-sided. Like on one hand, right now, the guilds are focused on product and not so much on revenue or token value sync gener generation. But at the same time, I do think now that should be really a priority. And you can't do this too early, of course, because you could close yourself from building a, a great product. Like sometimes they say, like in, in the web to play book, you have to create a product. And then once you have some product market fit, then you can start worrying about revenue. But like in this world, it's a bit different when you really have a token life. You have to care about those things beforehand and you have to build an ecosystem and you have to like empower people. So yeah, right now I think 
things should go like hand by hand. And I also think that running for five years and having the software running for five years and having thousands of secure billions of dollars, I think we already got like a pretty good sense of what are the things that can be monetized? What people, what do people want to pay for or, or a stake for in this industry? If you are DAO. Yeah. I think it's a matter of like really focusing on that. All right. I like to close these spaces out by just thinking about the future here. So why don't we go with all three of you? Anthony, future for Argon. If we were to come back, say three to five years from now, what do you envision? And then what do you envision for DAOs in general? If everything goes the way that, that you're working, if everything goes as you're working to achieve. Yeah, I think that's why this last two weeks was so painful for me because our team, which is a relatively newer team, has really come together and launched this new tech stack that is starting to look really promising. I've had conversations now with $15 billion in AUM of DAOs that are interested in moving over to the new tech stack with a little bit more product market fit and with some more additions to it. So I'm really excited about the future of Aragon and our products. That's adding privacy to that, which is going to be, which is going to be huge privacy for, for DAO members and DAOs themselves. This is going to be an absolutely pivotal moment for DAOs and their autonomy in the future, as well as some of the off-chain voting with on-chain execution we're working on. So I think in three to five years, gosh, I think we're going to finally have DAOs that are actually working well, that are governed well, some that are generating revenue and that have like really optional and flexible tools that we've created, hopefully for them, that they're able to succeed. And that's my hope. And if that happens in three to five years, I'll be over the moon. And Ben, as someone who's also building in the space, both software and helping to grow DAOs, ideally three, five years from now, look ahead and show us the vision. I think the, the challenge we're running into is that we have an incredible technological opportunity in front of us. And many of us have actually ran forward with the technology. And there's some brilliant builders in the space without understanding the social implications. And as a person who's built software companies and built software myself, it's a little cringy to say this, but if we are not able to create a social norm, a communications platform, a way of aligning people's interests outside of the software, then the software as a tool, as it always has been, will be misused. And so from three to five years, I'm really hoping that there are social norms, that the community actually has the better powers of self-enforcement outside of the software, so that the software does not always have to defend itself from the people that it purports to serve. And there is some amount of technological hubris that I think DAOs from day one with the DAO have just fallen its face on. And I think we continue to ignore the human side of things. And we need to recognize that unless we match the ability for people to align themselves from an idea and from a goal perspective, that the software will always need to be bloated and we'll need to be thinking about too many ways of defending versus building. And when we talk about it in other origami Twitter spaces, some people say then it's no longer autonomous, it's no longer software if you give any power to individuals. What do you say to that? There's this kind of myth of decentralization, and I, and I get this a lot because I've seen the spectrum of this, and you ask everyone, what is the point of decentralization? And either no one knows, or their ideas are completely disconnected from, one, from each other, and they haven't really talked about it. So the community hasn't actually said, what are we doing this for? And so in that gap of confusion, if somebody has a short-term interest and actually can rile up the crowd, that's exactly what happens. And it is very difficult to get that communication alignment done because a lot of DAOs, I think, lack true leadership 
to actually get that hard, get those hard conversations out there. I think that's fair and it's honest. And for some people's insistence on having everything happen on software, it's painful to hear, but it's worth bringing up. Luis, what about you? What do you think about what Ben just said? Yeah, makes complete sense. When it comes to the software and social incentives, they are so intertwined. Like software, in a way, defines, especially like stuff like DAOs, defines social norms and boundaries, and to some extent, incentivizes like some kind of culture. But then culture in itself can also save those rules. So I think they are just very intertwined, and we're going to show off evolution during the next three to five years. I do think, though, that a very modular stack, like the one Aragon has built, it was too advanced and a bit too complex for back in the day, for 2017, 2018, 2019, because there were almost no DAOs out there, and the DAOs that were out there were very simple. So there was not like a lot of product market fit during those years. But then as we have DAOs that require more and more like complexity and permission systems and like more complex social structures to try to define, or curve come to mind, then I think we need this kind of modular systems because they enable us to really experiment with software, with governance of this bit of software. And yeah, I think if we build these tools and we keep them as common goods, it's going to be really good for humankind. Yeah, and, and I'll leave you with one more word. If you are launching a DAO, if you are le- having any leadership role in the DAO, it is imperative that you repeat the mission and the purpose of why you are there or why people should be there. And I think people forget that not everybody reads the contracts or the docs or the messages. And without that North Star, I think we make room for arbitrage. And I think that's our flaw as leaders, even though we may disagree with what arbitrages are doing. At the end of the day, if you're not aligned in the mission, they will tear the dial apart. Great place. Leave it. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, everyone.